Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. This is the Budget-Minded Traveler Podcast, Episode 12. Welcome to the Budget-Minded Traveler Podcast, your source for the tips and tactics that will inspire and equip you to travel the world. And the best part? It won't break your bank. And now, the Budget-Minded Traveler herself and your host, Jackie LaLainen. Hey guys, welcome to the Budget-Minded Traveler Podcast. Thank you for listening today. This is episode 12. And if you have been keeping up with this podcast in any sort of order, you may have listened to episode 10 already, which was my last interview and featured a brand new traveler. And in that episode, Andrea shares with us how she overcame her first time traveler fears and took her first trip abroad to Thailand. Well, today I have a bit of a twist of plot for you. We are going completely to the other end of the travel spectrum and welcoming a guest who has been to every single country in the world. And that adds up to a total of 193, according to the United uh, Nations member states list. Our guest today has not only traveled to every country, but he's also a New York Times bestselling author entrepreneur, host of an incredibly popular conference. And what I like the best about him is that he spends his life encouraging others to be creative and unconventional and to do remarkable things through individual quests. I love that. His two books are The Art of Nonconformity and The $100 Startup. And I'll talk more about those at the end. I recommend both of them highly. I have read them both. He is also about to come out with a brand new book, which we're going to learn about in a little bit. His name is Chris Gillibo. And on that note, let's get right into the interview because I just can't wait for you to meet him. Okay, I am so excited to introduce you guys to the one and only Chris Gillibo. Chris, thank you so much for coming on as a guest on my podcast. How are you today? I am great. Thank you so much for having me, Jackie. Yeah, where are you actually? Is a good I'm question actually, for the man I'm who's been everywhere. Home. Yeah, right. I travel quite a bit, um, but I'm actually in my home in Portland, Oregon. Okay. Awesome. Well, we're really excited to have you. I've actually already given um, my audience a, a little bit of an introduction to um, who you are, but why don't you take a minute to tell us a little a little bit more about yourself and uh, where you come from and, and what your deal is? <laughs> sure. That's kind. Um, where I come from, well, I guess I've been traveling pretty actively for the past 12 to 15 years or so. Um, for much of that time, I had a quest of going to every country in the world. And I began that just out of my love for travel and for different cultures and experiencing different things, challenging myself. But uh, kind of along the way, it turned into a community and a career and um, a life as an author and lots of different things. Uh, so I'm really fortunate to 
you know, live in Portland about half the time and then travel the world the other half of the time and, and meet interesting people. So I write books, I write a blog. Um, I'm fortunate to host some events that a lot of people attend, like the World Domination Summit and a couple of other things. Uh, but I just, I feel really grateful. I have a, I have a great life. That's so awesome. I think a lot of people are already like, what, who is this guy? <laughs> um, but the reason I just had to get you on my podcast is because of something that, that you just mentioned, actually, is that you have a claim to fame that not many people have. Um, in fact, I don't even know how many people in the world have done this, but you have been to every country in the world before 35, which is such a huge feat in a lifetime. And you did it before 35, which blows my mind and totally like blows up my bucket list too, you know, but um, I think it's incredible. So um, I have to ask you last I checked, there were 196 countries in the world. Have you, have you done all 196? It's actually 193. Okay. Because you know? I know it's kind of nebulous. Yeah. But... This is the kind of thing. It depends on which list you know, you're know you going with. Yeah. Uh, so I chose the list of UN member states, okay. um, of which there are 193. So some, some lists might have 196. They might include Taiwan. They might include Palestine. They might include Kosovo, a couple of, of you know territories that some people recognize and others don't. Right. Um, I've probably been to maybe 230 or so, actually, like actual like countries and territories. So wow. for me, I just I needed to have an, like, an objective standard. Like, I think it's important if you have a goal, you have to define, okay, how will I achieve that goal? What does success look like? So that's why I settled on 193. And that's also why I settled on the 35th birthday deadline, because I thought like, if it was my goal to go to every country in my lifetime, I would never really do it. You know, I would, uh, I would be traveling actively, but I really wouldn't actually be working purposefully towards this goal. So it, my whole quest was helped a lot, I would say in the past five, five to six years, once I was really like, okay, you know, I've got this amount of time left. Here are the places I've been to. Here's where I need to go to. What does that look like? It, having, the, having the specific deadline really gave it a lot of structure. That's incredible. Talk about productivity. <laughs> yeah, it was kind of I unconventional mean, yeah. productivity, right? Because, yeah, it was like, okay, I need to go to Sudan and to South Sudan, which actually became a country like mid, midpoint through the journey. So <laughs> uh-huh. it was 192, and then yeah. it jumped to 193. Um, I need to go there. How does that work? What's the visa situation like? What airlines fly there? Can I combine that with a trip? You know, can I also go to Chad while I'm in Sudan? Can I also, you know, I, I, was, I was really attracted to the logistics mm-hmm. of it. I actually kind of liked that whole process. Hmm. That sets you apart in itself because I know a lot of people do not like that part of the process. But, <laughs> but I guess when that's your goal, you might as well be the one doing all that. So that's you so kind of awesome. Like it, I, think. I think if you don't, then, then it's a hard thing to do. Um, and I like the process of travel. I don't, just, I, I don't only like the destination. I actually like planning a trip. Mm-hmm. And I like anticipating it and thinking about how I'm going to do it. And then I like being in motion. I like the flights. I like airports. I like long bus rides. Um, and I think some of your listeners might appreciate that. Um, not all of them perhaps, but I guess I really just like the process of going from place to place. Mm-hmm. Well, that's, I think that's kind of in a nutshell what that, there's a quote that's something like travel isn't about the destination, but the, it's about the journey, you know, and that, that kind of wraps that up because that's, that's what it is. It's, it's all those things that make up travel. So I hear you on that one. That's pretty cool. And did you, so did you get your start in Africa? Cause I read the art of nonconformity and I know that you were over there doing that, but is that where you started? Um, that's travel? pretty much where I started. Yeah. I had, I mean, I had traveled a little bit. I had been to maybe 10 countries or something, um, beforehand, but yes, uh, when I moved to Sierra Leone in, in 2002, 
that was kind of like my first immersive experience of, mm-hmm. of really being in, in a place that was different from what I had known. Mm-hmm. And, and I enjoyed that. And I started traveling a lot in the region and it was definitely a challenging region to travel in, but again, I liked it. I was just kind of attracted to the different experience of it. So, you know, by the time I, I left my work there, it was about four years later, I had been to maybe 50 countries at that point. And that's oh. when I was like, okay, you know, what's next? How can I like, yeah. you know, turn this into a project or something? Cause I like projects. I like lists, you yeah. know, I like, you know, writing things down and checking them off. So you're always going for the next thing. So, right. so most people, I think they would choose, you know, a nice round number, like, oh, let's try for 30 before 30 or 40 before 40 or whatever. And you just decided to do 193 before 35. So what, like, really at what moment did you know that you had to make it to every country in the world? And how, how did you know you would do it before 35? Or was that just a bonus? Okay, like, this is a I great question. I mean, that's question. the productivity thing, but yeah. This is a super great question because I think it's important for your listeners to know I hadn't actually, it wasn't like I had never traveled it wasn't like I'd been to like two to three countries and I was like, I'm going to go to all 193. The goal definitely developed along the way. And so in the beginning, it was kind of a round number. Actually, in the beginning, it was after I'd done like the 50 or so, I thought 100 countries, like, wouldn't that be great? That'd be a great goal, you know? And so I started working toward that. And then the closer I got to it, the more I realized it actually wasn't super difficult, you know, to achieve that goal because, you could choose, you know, which countries you went to. You could go to like Europe and knock out like a whole bunch. You could, you know, do the Caribbean and lock, knock out like all these places. And, yeah. and, and that was great. It was fine. But I guess for me, that's when I started thinking, okay, what would be an actual, you know, real challenge uh, for me? What, what would really, you know, take it up a level? So it developed along the way. So I, I think people are often intimidated by really big goals. You know, they hear like something, I think that's crazy. I could never do that. But actually, I, I kind of gained confidence you know, as I pursued the quest. And the more that I did it, the more I liked it. And that's when I I began to realize, okay, maybe I could do it. But there were a number of moments probably along the way that that really kind of bumped up the confidence. I mean, but it it probably wasn't until country 160 or 170 when I was like, okay, this is actually really happening. And wow, you know, like, it really is, you know, I might get stuck in some one of these final, you know, countries, um, Afghanistan, or I don't know, somewhere where it's really hard to get a visa for, but it seems like, you know, it's, it's going to happen. So it wasn't until the end that I really realized it. That's so That's crazy. So- and I'm kind of here sitting over here shaking my head because you're talking about, you know, how you decided that every country in the world would be your real challenge rather than just, Oh, a hundred. I mean, that, that's not that big of a challenge, you know, <laughs> like what, but, um, I love Everybody that. Everybody has to choose their own challenge though. You no, know, I, it's I true. hear from people and you probably do too with your site. I hear from people who are just beginning to travel and they write in and some, and sometimes like they, they make these disclaimers about their trip. Like, Oh, I'm going to, to, you know, my first trip to Japan, that's probably no big deal for you. And I'm like, no, it is a big, it's a big deal. That's great. Like when you're first doing something, it's different and it's transformative. And, you know, I would say in some ways, a lot of the things that happened in the beginning of this quest were more interesting or difficult than the things that happened at the end, because at the end I knew how to do it. Yeah. You're seasoned. Lots of different obstacles. And if I would encounter them again, I'd be like, okay, well I just, you know, Mm -hmm. it's probably going to be okay. Yeah. Um, I, I love that too, though, because 
when you get those real challenges, you set the bar really high for yourself and it kind of scares you in the pit of your stomach. Like, am I really going to do this? That's when you know it's worth it. You know, that's when you know it's really worth doing. So I think that's great. Um, I'm wondering if I'm making that a goal for myself right at this moment. (laughs) Um, So how has visiting every single country changed your perspective of the world and of travel itself? Mm, that is, that's a big thing that I'm, I'm still kind of struggling in how to give the short, you know, yeah, easy question, right? <laughs> it's like, what should I do with my life? Hmm. I'm not sure. Um, I would say it's definitely, you know, challenged my own worldview about how I think about different things from faith to politics, to culture in general, um, maybe just giving me more appreciation for the different ways of life around the world. I feel like there's a there's kind of a commonality that people tend to have when they start traveling, and I certainly had this. You know, I would go to to India or China or somewhere, and I would I would really kind of focus on some similarities. I'd be like, oh well, it's it's a lot of things are different, but actually, like we're all the same. And I I really feel that's kind of a you know first level observation. And the more I travel, the more I actually realize, you know, p- people actually really do have very different cultures around the world, and that's fine. That's good. That's actually what's interesting mm-hmm. about travel. You know, so I actually don't think that we're all the same. I think that there are very different ways of life. And that for me is actually enjoyable to kind of see and experience. I so love that. I'll, I'll work on the rest. I love that you said that, though, because honestly, it took me my first year overseas to to be able to recognize my own culture, honestly. Um, I didn't used to think that the U.S. had a culture. And this is just me being totally transparent here because I didn't understand what it was, you know, until I was able to see it from the outside. And, and we absolutely do. You know, everyone does. And they're they're all going to be different. And the other thing that you said, um, the similarities thing, that is almost inevitable when you travel and you're like, oh, this reminds me of Thailand or this reminds me of that little place we went. Remember, blah, 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 you know, and really it comes back to, okay, you're in a new place. Like don't come, come to see. I think there's even a quote about this too. That's like the, the, the tourist like comes to, to see what he's, I don't know, prepared to see or whatever. And the traveler sees what he sees, take it all in new, you know, like you're in a new place, give it that respect that it deserves basically. And that's hard to do sometimes when you've been to a lot of places and you know, you, you see the similarities and everything, but, um, that's, so that's awesome. I guess the open-mindedness is the biggest thing. Yeah, I think I do struggle. I mean, since you're being transparent, I should be transparent as well. And I should say that I, I do sometimes feel like I'm a little bit jaded and I, I just because I've traveled so much and it is a struggle. I try to have to, I have to remind myself like, this is really an amazing life. Like I'm the things I'm able to do and where I've been able to visit and the people I've talked to, it really is incredible. So sometimes I do kind of catch myself just, you know, whining about small things or Mm -hmm. not impressed with amazing things, you know, like, Oh, you've seen one temple, you've seen them all, but not really, you know, you're right. I know I get like that with the cathedrals in Europe, (laughs) but yeah, you're right about that. All right. So changing gears a little bit here, I have done something special for this episode. I actually reached out to my listeners a couple of weeks ago on Facebook and I asked them if you could ask one question to someone who has been to every country in the world, what would you want to know? And they started answering before they even realized that I was like, 
hey guys, I'm actually going to be, you know, talking with someone who can answer these questions. So um, I think some of them were kind of excited about that. So I got a lot of great responses. So we can kind of just go through these. Um, I really kind of chose all of them because I I liked them all. And a lot of them um, asked sort of the same thing. So um, some of them are uh, combined into one question. But so let's um, go through those real quick. So from Lisa, what did every place have in common? And this is actually something that um, listener Rick wanted to know too. And I, I kind of, we kind of just touched on that, but having that posed as a question, what would you say? Right, right. Um, well, again, not to generalize too much, but um, I, I do think like most parts of the world are pretty welcoming and pretty hospitable. You can kind of figure things out wherever you are. Um, you know, there's, there's always... A pattern. There's always like you can show up anywhere you are in the world and you'll be okay, right? Um, you don't have to bring a lot of stuff. You don't have to read a lot about the place before you go there. I know that's kind of controversial, but um, I actually, you know, in the beginning, I would like go to the bookstore and I'd be reading Rough Guide or Lonely Planet or whatever, and I'd spend lots of time online and stuff. Mm-hmm. And, you know, then I just started traveling more and more and I was doing like 20 countries a year. And I just started immersing myself and just would land somewhere and I would post online like, hey, I'm here in, in Kuwait. I'm in wherever. Is there anybody who wants to meet up? And I actually had a much better experience doing it, um, doing it that way. So I'm not awesome. sure what they all have in common. Hmm. Um, okay. Sarah wants to know, where were you shown the most hospitality and the least? Mm, the least. Um, that's interesting. That's a good question. Well, I got deported from from Eritrea. Oh, that's uh, not very uh, hospitable. No, it wasn't actually. I was I was there all night and kind of in like a little airport jail, and it was uh, not the greatest experience. But it actually made for a really good story. It's kind of funny because I, I had been, you know, there's 54 I think countries in Africa, and you know, there's a lot of different differences among regions in Africa. But after I'd been flying back and forth and back and forth, like I had begun to get a little bit jaded, as we mentioned. And so I realized, like, if I didn't have this whole deportation experience, I probably would have had a very boring, basic story about Eritrea. But instead, like, I had this whole crazy thing happening with the police and the, you know, Egyptian air, like, put me back on the plane and kept my passport. And it's like, it was kind of fun. So that wasn't very hospitable, as you said. Um, Pakistan actually ended up, I also was almost deported, but they ended up letting me stay. And I had a really good visit in Karachi for, I think, three or four days. So I would definitely say the places with a lot of hospitality far, far exceeded the places with, with not a lot. Mm -hmm. I would hope so. Definitely. So which, what did you mention a place with the best hospitality? The best, the single best. Uh, I really don't know the single best, but there is one story of, um, I was on the Island of Comoros, um, which is also like Eastern Africa. And I actually ran out of money and, um, it's a, it's a long story, but to, to summarize it, uh, I, I just didn't have enough cash and there was like one bank on the Island and it didn't take my credit card. Um, and so I was actually short something like $30, um, to leave. So I had to pay the visa on arrival fee, which I didn't have. So they mm-hmm. kept my passport. And then when I left, I had to pay it, blah, blah, blah. But basically someone ended up helping me there. Um, someone basically gave me $30. Um, and this was like a local guy. It wasn't another expat. Um, and I was just really blown away by that experience. I wrote about it in my new book. That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, okay. So from Francis and actually Tracy and Jessica, this was a very popular question. Um, is it possible to keep a career while traveling so much and how, or did you decide to give it up? I like that part. (laughs) 
Yeah. Did I? Okay, great. So I kind of integrated my career along the way. And I was always interested in self-employment and entrepreneurship. I was never a good employee. I was, wasn't good at working for other people. You know, when I was in Africa, I was a full-time volunteer for a charity. So that was sort of like a job, but not really. It was just, it was more like a challenge. It was, again, like something I really liked to do. I felt like I was contributing to something bigger than myself. So the career aspect was something that grew organically out of the experience. And, um, and there are plenty of long-term travelers who do it differently. There, there's plenty of long-term travelers who do keep a job and are able to work remotely. Um, but I guess I'm not super interested in separating my life and my work and my travel. I want to have convergence between all of them. I want them to be integrated. So I actually do work wherever I am, and, and I like that. Like I don't feel bad about that because the work is what allows me to travel and vice versa. Right. So right. for me, it's, it's all intertwined. That's awesome. And I can relate to that as well. So, um, okay. From Tammy, what was your most pleasant surprise and your biggest disappointment? She also said, what is your greatest fear? So maybe any of those. Wow. Okay. I know those are big. (laughs) Some big questions. Um, well maybe like all tied in together is, um, you know, toward the end of the quest, I started to get kind of worried and started to get a little bit depressed and, I remember actually being in Seoul, Korea, and at that I had been to the back and forth to Seoul like, I don't know, five or ten times, and I liked it well enough, but it wasn't a place that felt particularly special to me, um, just based on my own experiences. But then one time I was there, it was toward the end of the quest, there was like 20 countries left, and all of a sudden I just, I just felt this heaviness, and I felt this sadness, and I was like, you know, I may continue to travel, definitely, but this aspect of the whole journey is coming to an end soon. And I won't actually be doing this in this same way. And it's been a huge part of my life and my identity for the past, as I said, 10 years, but especially the past five to six. Um, and so, you know, I guess my fear was like, well, what next? You know, what do we do? And and I began to study quests and I wrote about them a lot in, in the new book and talked to other people. And I realized this was actually very common. Like a lot of people experience some kind of you know, identity crisis or disillusionment or just a mild depression, hopefully just mild um, at the end. So I guess I don't know if I have a single like most amazing, most the best thing. Um, I just I liked all of it. I liked every bit of it, even like when I was stuck places, even when I was like there was an eight hour flight, flight delay in the middle of the night. You know, I can still look back and I'm like, I'm still grateful, you know, mm-hmm. for those experiences. It's so, it takes a lot to say that too. So that's, that's definitely like a mental choice that you made, which that's awesome. Um, okay. From Brittany, this is, this is also a two-parter, but I really liked both of them. Where did you see the most beautiful sunset? And, um, what was your top favorite local tradition that you participated in and where you were, of course? Oh, great. Um, so lots of beautiful sunsets all over the world. I guess for me, it's, it's just about taking the time, you know, to appreciate them and not just, you know, oh, another sunset or whatever. Um, there was an island off the coast of Malaysia that I saw, you know, I was there for three or four nights and every night I would go and sit out and watch the sunset. That was nice. Um, in the Seychelles as well, I was training for a marathon when I was in the Seychelles. So I did like a 13 mile run um, just before sunset and that was really nice. Um, but then I also remember living in West Africa, just some of those nights. So I was actually living on a hospital ship for most of that time. So mm-hmm. we would sit out on the deck um, in Liberia or Sierra Leone and watch the sunset. And, it, and uh, the interesting thing is there wasn't a lot of electricity um, in those countries um, because of the Civil War. So that was sad in one way. But at the same time, um, 
for in terms of sunsets, um, there weren't there weren't a lot of city lights. You would literally see the whole city kind of darken. With wow. The sunset. That sounds incredibly unique because yeah, we don't we don't get that not, no electricity thing here unless you're way up in the mountains. But um okay, and then I think my favorite one of all of these is uh from Sean. Where are you going next? Mm. Mm. <laughs> yeah, great. Um I just realized also I didn't answer the second question that you asked me a moment ago. Oh yeah local tradition. Mm -hmm. I I had to wear a dress somewhere and that was interesting, but it wasn't actually bad because everybody else was wearing a dress. So it felt normal. Um, (laughs) in Somalia, in Somalia, I was served goat and it was this kind of thing where I really couldn't escape it. I'm actually vegetarian. So most of the time I would not eat goat or other things that like that, but, um, I actually had to then and it, and it was fine. Like I just didn't think much about it, but that was a kind of a big thing for me. Probably your, many of your listeners think that's no big deal. Um, What's next or where am I going next? Um, I'm continuing to travel. I'm still traveling quite a bit, um, just in, in a little bit different way. I, I just did a round the world trip um, over the past couple of weeks. Uh, so let's see. I was no in big Berlin. deal. <laughs> yeah, I used to do like 10 round the world trips a, a year. So now it's like three to four. Oh, man. Uh, That's awesome. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I was in maybe 10 different cities. But uh, right now I'm focused on, you know, we do this annual event called World Domination Summit. So I'm in town a lot more here in Portland. Uh, afterwards, I'll probably go to Sri Lanka, I think, for a few days. That's just to kind of escape. And then this fall, I'm doing a, a big tour, actually. So I'm actually really excited about that. I'm, I'm actually going to, I think, about 40 cities to meet readers and to talk about quests and adventures. So the whole travel thing to kind of sum up has, has changed a lot for me because a lot of the quest was very individual and uh, I'm, I'm an introvert and that was fine. I don't mind traveling by myself and being alone all the time, but like with the new tour, I'll, I'll be doing 40 cities and there'll be a lot of people every night and that's great. So it's actually, it's actually been good for me to kind of transition from just traveling on my own to doing things that, that involve other people more. Mm-hmm. And I was going to ask you what you're working on right now. What you know, what, what is the life of someone who's been, you know, to every country in the world? What is it that you do when you're at home? I know you're working on world domination summit, but is there anything else you wanted to talk about? What is this tour that you have coming up? Um, I haven't, so I have a new book. Thanks for asking. It's, um, it's called the happiness of pursuit and the book is about quests and it's about my journey and other people who've undertaken quests. Um, so that's probably the next big thing. And, um, we're, we're always doing other projects. You know, I have a small team that I work with They're they're wonderful people. Um, so we have some other business stuff coming up, other community stuff. But I actually really, really just as I love travel, I love making things. And yeah. I'm very motivated by projects and creating stuff. And just kind of like we talked about earlier about making lists and checking things off. Mm-hmm. That's, that's what makes me happy. Awesome. Keeps you going. Gives you something else to look forward to Definitely. in the same way. All right. I have one last question for you. What advice would you give someone just starting out with their travels, especially if they have big dreams and a small budget? Mm. Um, I'm all about big dreams and a small budget. You know, the first hundred countries that I went to cost about $30,000. And I don't mean to say that $30,000 is a a small amount of money, but I did this over a number of years. And that was off for a hundred countries, right? So if you just want to go to a few countries, it's obviously going to cost much, much, much less. So, you know, we talked a little bit about how um, when people are just going on their first trip, you know, they feel like it's a big deal and it absolutely is a big deal. So I would encourage them to get to that point as soon as they, as soon as possible. You know, I don't think you have to take a year to plan a trip. 
I think you could plan a trip. I think there's people listening to this who could plan a trip in the next three to six weeks, you know, say like, a, like an international trip. Like, why not? You know, you could do mm-hmm. it. Um, and they have all kinds of tips on your website where they can go and read how to do it. Right. So I would encourage them to speed up. I would encourage them to accelerate the process. I love that. Get to that point as soon as possible. <laughs> love yes. that. I got it. No, you're go? right. Ultimately, it's a plane ticket. Get yourself a plane ticket and voila, guess what happens? You go. I love that. All right. Well, that 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 wraps it up. Thank you so much for 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 coming on. Is there anything else that you wanted to share? No, this is great. Okay. Thank you. Jackie. Wonderful. Well, good luck with your book and your tour. And uh, what one uh, one more thing? Where can people uh, contact you if they wanted to say hi? Or uh, sure, they're more than welcome to say hi. It's uh, chrisgillibo.com, which no one can spell. Um, <laughs> we'll put it on the show notes page for you. That's great. Thanks. <laughs> All right. Awesome. Thank you so much, Chris. And uh, we'll be looking for more from you in the future. All right. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. All right. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Chris Gillibo. I hope it has inspired you to put a few more countries on your list. I know that it has for me. Some of you know this about me already, but I am turning 30 at the end of this year. And just last week, Nate and Daryl and I, Daryl's my brother, by the way, bought tickets to Europe for October. And I will be adding three new countries to my been there, done that list, which will put me at a nice even number of 40 countries before my 30th birthday, which wasn't actually a goal for me, but just ended up that way. And Chris seems to think that I can catch up to him. (laughs) I'm not sure if I want to complete all 193 countries in the next five years, but at the same time, I love what he said about setting a deadline for his goal. Because how often do we put things off simply because there's no pressure to get them done right now? I'd say that it's something that our culture is accustomed to doing, which is exactly why Chris gave himself a time limit. By instating a deadline, he turned on the pressure, which motivated him to actually get it done. And I'm not saying that you should put 190 more countries on your list in the next few years, but... I will stand with Chris in saying that it helps to have a deadline to accomplish a goal that is important to you. So what kind of deadline goal can you apply to your bucket list? And he said something else that may have seemed small, but it really stood out to me. He mentioned that while he was in the Seychelles, he was training for a marathon And it stood out to me because, first of all, a marathon is a huge undertaking and requires a lot of time-consuming, dedicated training. I ran my first marathon two years ago, so I understand what this training consists of. And secondly, I like the fact that he was training for a marathon while he was in the Seychelles because it just showed that just because he was traveling didn't mean he needed to put his other goals and projects on hold or leave his entire life behind. It's a great example of the wherever you go, there you are quote. He was still being himself and doing the things that were important to him, even though he happened to be on this quest overseas of, you know, of going to every country. And if you need to find time to do 
some work online or continue writing your book or keep up with your exercise habits or whatever it is that you're doing personally, you can still do those things overseas. You don't have to wait until you finish those things to accomplish your travel goals. All you need to do is figure out how to balance these things out while you're on the road. And I personally can relate to that. So I just found it encouraging to hear him mention that. Um, And I hope that I explained it in such a way that you can take something away from that as well. And while you're taking some things away from this interview, definitely check out Chris's best-selling books. I will put the links to them on my website in the show notes at thebudgetmindedtraveler.com slash 12. Um, the Art of Nonconformity. If you're at all interested in thinking outside the box, being unconventional and accomplishing great things, you should put it at the top of your reading list right now. I think I had more highlighted segments from that book than any other book I've read. And his other book, The $100 Startup, is an incredible resource. And the thing I wanted to say about that book is many of you guys wanted to ask Chris about how he could afford to um, continue traveling and what, what kind of job does someone need to have to travel in such a way. And this book might just hold the answer for you. It's definitely for the business-minded. It's not necessarily about travel at all, but it really might help you get there. And I can't wait for his next book to come out, The Happiness of Pursuit. So I'll be sure to put a live link there for you as soon as one exists. And in wrapping up today, I had a few thoughts that I wanted to share. After chatting with Chris Gillibo, I thought of so many more questions that I could have asked him as someone who has been to every country in the world. But you know what? I think we should make it our goal to start answering those questions ourselves. Where is the most beautiful sunset you have seen? What's the last country you went to? Where did you participate in a fun and unique local tradition? Chris was kind enough to share bits of his story with us, but these will always be parts of his story and his perspective and your story and your answers are going to be different from his. So my challenge to you today, and I'm including myself in this as well, is to keep collecting our own answers to these questions, no matter how many countries you aspire to go to or how many you've already been to. If these are the things that define adventure and make us think and make us dream, then let's incorporate them into our own lives. And like Chris said, if you do have that next country or trip on your list, don't spend a year planning for it. Get to that point as soon as possible. There really isn't any better advice out there. So I'll leave you with that challenge for today. And remember, you can view the show notes from today's episode at thebudgetmindedtraveler.com slash 12. And feel free to keep the conversation going in the comment section there. I hope you are inspired to act and get going on your travel bucket list. Have a great day and I can't wait to see you in the next episode. (laughs) 